1: Thanks so much, Pastor Levinsky. So many great things happening. We encourage you to take advantage of all of those. Well, you'll see Pastor Gary standing right here beside me on the stage. Just over 10 years ago, there was a group of people from Waverly that reached out to him and said, we wanna start a new church, and how can that happen? And long story short, Pastor Gary from Berean Assembly parented our church just over 10 years ago, and look at what God has done. It's absolutely amazing. And so can we express our appreciation to him? Like, he... Man, you stepped out in faith with these people 10 years ago, and it's been phenomenal to see what God has done and the fruit that has come out of it. You've been a tremendous friend and mentor to me throughout the years. I'm so grateful for you and your investment, and our church has no idea how many hours that you spent mentoring me in those early days and pouring into me, and I just want you to know how grateful that I am for you. And church, I'm telling you, you are in for a treat today as Pastor Gary is here and his wife, Miss Carol. We love you. You guys, let's express our appreciation one more time as he comes to
0: preach. The uh, conversations actually began in our living room a little over ten years ago with Doyle and Linda Wagner, and just some discussion over what might happen. And then there was this meeting, and I was trying to remember where we met—a VFW hall or something, that veterans hall of some sort. And I think there were twenty-five or thirty people that met that first meeting. How many of you were at that first meeting in the hall? Yeah, you're, well, you're all still here. That's a, good, that's a good thing. Give yourselves a hand. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. What a difference a Sunday makes. Hello? Is there anybody in the house today? See, you have to talk back to me. The only chance that I have of getting done in time is if you talk back to me. Because if I have to amen myself, it takes twice as long for us to get done. So if you want me to finish quickly, there you go, amen, nod your head, hallelujah, run around the building, and we'll be done. Otherwise, we'll be here till about 1 o'clock. So I've thought about this morning and those first days and those first meetings, and uh, Carol and I were talking early on. She said, who do you think needs to go to uh, Crosspoint? And I said, well, it's a couple that I don't think will be interested um, I don't know what their interest level will be, but it'd be the Bartholos, And uh, they're successful in Chi Alpha, and what they're doing have really revitalized and changed the culture of Chi Alpha. And so I thought the best way to accomplish that goal is have him preach here. <laughs> and then he came back and asked if he could come. And what what an amazing day today is from where it was in that VFW hall. I think we could all say this is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful in our eyes. If you believe that, let me hear your hands this morning. It is wonderful in our eyes. And then last Sunday, some of you may have felt like the rug got pulled out from under you, a new day, a new direction, a time of transition. And, uh, and, and I wanna talk about, the, there are times in Scripture where we need to pay specific attention to what's going on. One of those are initiatory moments. There's a lot of discussion today, and I promise not to digress into uh, gender discussions and uh, man, woman, wife, all of that. But if you want to know what God's plan was, go to the initiatory moment, Genesis 2 and 3. What did God establish there? If you want to know what the church should look like, go to Acts chapter 2, an initiatory moment where God establishes what he wants to accomplish. But there are also transition moments in Scripture. And in those transition moments, we need to pay attention to what God does there as well, because you are certainly in a transition time. You have uh, the greatest couple, and I mean this sincerely, the greatest couple that I know pastoring your church, and God has great things for them. And if you love them, let me hear your hands double loud. Come on. But things change. Times change. And Jesus demonstrates for us, I believe, what a transition moment should be like. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible tells us what happened in Jesus' life. He grew to adulthood. We see that story and then the gap of his adulthood. We see him baptized in water. Then we see him being led by the Spirit in the wilderness, be tempted of the devil And then a moment comes where he is reading from the scriptures. He's in the temple. And they give him the scroll to read from, which would not have been unusual. But before I read my text, I want you to just listen to what happens in Luke chapter 4. Unrolling it, they gave him the prophet Isaiah. And he read from Isaiah chapter, from Isaiah 61 and 62, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He rolled the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Have you been in those moments in a church service where God moves in in a uniquely supernatural way and you know that today is not gonna be like it was last week or the next week, where you just feel an anticipation, where God grabs your attention and you know you need to watch and give heed to what's about to happen, and that's what happens here. I would love to have a service where everybody was looking at the front at the same time. You'd be amazed how discouraging it can be up here, as well as encouraging. And I tell people at the church, they'll say, Pastor, you stared at me all during your preaching. Let me tell you why I stare at people, because there are some people I don't want to look at. So if I stare at you, that's a good thing. It means, means, brother, you're an encourager. So I'm gonna lock on you two or three times during this message. All the eyes were fastened on him. And he says what is the most incredible thing that he could say that would rattle to the core of the culture of the Jewish nation when he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. That was a radical, powerful um, life changing, earth-shattering thing for him to say. So I don't want to spend a lot of time there. But I want to go back to where that prophecy was uttered, to what happened in Isaiah chapter 61. It tells us that, that, that God had a plan. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, when this scripture was given... Isaiah has a specific reaction to it. And in that reaction, I believe, sets for us a tone that we should follow. Give me Isaiah 61.1 on the screen if you would do that. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. It's that verse in one that Jesus says was being fulfilled in him in that moment. It's a transition where his ministry is going to shift from simply being a rabbi who's traveling around teaching to a place where he says, I am the fulfillment of the messianic prophecy in Isaiah 61.1. And they couldn't believe what they heard. I want you to watch, though, what Isaiah's reaction is. It's in a time when he's prophesying to a nation that has wandered from God. It's a portion of Scripture that we have sung from over the years. But I wonder what the response of the church should be in a time of transition when there is a moving from God God doing certain things one way to God doing them in another way. And Isaiah, looking forward, makes a proclamation of how he will respond that I believe provides a paradigm, a model for every church in transition, every life in transition, everything that happens that causes us to move from one way of God's dealing to another way. And I want, to th- I want you to think about those. And the first one is this. Isaiah 61, verses 10 and 11, I will greatly rejoice. I will greatly rejoice. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself uh, with her jewels. For as the soil makes a young plant come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, The sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. He is saying that when God announces something new, we should greatly rejoice. We should greatly rejoice. Not like you're looking right now. We should greatly rejoice. Put on a smile, like a greatly rejoiced smile if you've got one of those. Now, I do want to say something here about that. How many of you know that you can mourn and rejoice at the same time? I've never understood. We were here for Doyle's funeral, and, and uh, what, a, what a great friend and, and mentor he was for me. But I've been at other funerals where people say, we want this to be a celebration. We want everybody to laugh. We want it to be fun. I, don't, I want somebody to cry at my funeral. <laughs> don't you? I mean, I want somebody to be sad. I'm gone. I don't want them to start singing, ding-dong, the witch is dead. I want them to be glad that I've gone to heaven, but I want somebody to be sad I'm gone. Anybody with me right now? So as I say that to you, yes, in this transition, There is a sense of loss and change has always experienced pain. And you should sorrow over losing this great couple that God's calling to another field of service. Yet at the same time, there should be rejoicing that this didn't take God by surprise, that God already has a plan. He knew what was coming. And if God has done what he's done from year zero to year 10, imagine what he will do from year 10 to year 20. God has not forgotten this place. God has a great plan forward and our response needs to be let us greatly rejoice. There is much to rejoice in over what God has done to this point. How many of you have experienced God do something supernatural in your life over the last 10 years? There are marriages that have been restored, people who've come to faith in Christ, baptized in the Spirit, baptized in water, lives that have been changed. And Isaiah knows that there is much to give thanks to God for. And we need to remember and rehearse the great things that He has done. In the moments of your discouragement, when life doesn't seem to make sense, when it's making changes that you don't want to see made, those are the times that you look back and say, God, you have have been faithful in times past, and I rejoice and celebrate what you have done. I could not have imagined when we're sitting in our living room or in that, in that VFW hall that this is what would happen in 10 years' time. Unbelievable. Rejoice in that. Celebrate that. Rejoice in what God has done. You've been on an incredible journey, but in rejoicing with what God has done, you need to also rejoice in what he's going to do. The Spirit of God is upon me, the Scripture says, and there is a sense in which how we rejoice or speak to one another makes a difference. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, that we need to rejoice in the Lord always. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I didn't write this, but I believe it. I believe it's true. If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't take your goods. And don't let anything around you steal the joy of the Lord that should undergird you even in the midst of trying circumstances. Amen. <laughs> so, now that I've preached, I'm going to meddle. Is that all right? Do I have freedom to meddle? <laughs> so... I've seen some things along this journey. This isn't my first time around the block, nor my first rodeo. I have been involved with churches, and what happens in transitions usually doesn't go well. Because people get weird. Well, I should say weirder than they already are. Do the things that make for joy. Don't do the things that erode joy. Well, pastor, what are you talking about? What would erode joy? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. That's the favorite part of my message. <laughs> Gossip erodes joy. I had I had someone quote me on Facebook. Facebook, use it for good or don't use it at all. Or don't use it. Don't. I had preached a message and I said something negative about Elvis. I think I could insult Jesus and not get people as mad as insulting Elvis. Elvis is not my Messiah. But rather than talking to me, they decided to put it on Facebook and debate it, discuss it. Well, this is what I think he meant. This is what I think he meant. No, this is what I think he meant. I have a word for that that I can't use here, except to say, you don't know what I meant if you don't ask me what I meant. You can ask Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, what he thinks I meant, but he doesn't know unless I told him, so why not go to the source? Hello? So what does that have to do with this? Well, why do you think they're leaving? Why do you think they're leaving? I know why. Is they can't they can't put up with that Smith family. <laughs> They've just had it with us. Or this reason or that reason, do you know what that is? That is gossip. And it erodes joy. And you are not all knowing, so don't pretend to be like it. Do the things. I'm having fun because I get to leave when this is done. Do the things that build for joy. Gossip, dark speculation, doubt about the future. Now, I'm gonna be transparent. I don't know any other way to be. But I know what happened that caused a new church to start. And you have no right to go back to those days and impose those on these days, this day doesn't have to be like that day. Come on, too much blood, sweat, and tears. So, what do you do when you say, Well, here's what happened then, I'm afraid it's gonna happen again? That does not build rejoicing, it builds darkness, it builds criticism, it builds fear. Where there is fear, there cannot be joy. So, church, I'm calling you this morning to do the things that make for rejoicing. I will greatly rejoice. I refuse to be sucked into the whirlpool of doubt and fear and discouragement. I will not give my mouth to gossip. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I've seen it happen in churches over and over again in that transition time where idle rumors become unprovable facts and the core of the body is impacted. So when you, when, you, when you see somebody saying something that they shouldn't be saying, that doesn't build for joy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look them in the, right in the eye, right in the eye, and say, I will greatly rejoice. <laughs> and they will know what that means. And then I want you to skip away after you say that, kind of a skip <laughs> off. I will greatly rejoice. I refuse to be sucked into the cesspool of criticism and doubt and idle imaginations. All right, how many are ready for me to move on? Second, I will not keep silent. He says in Isaiah 62:1, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Now we'll come back to the rest of that verse, but for Zion's sake. I'm going to suggest to you that Zion's sake refers to the larger kingdom of God, the city of God, the plan that God had for the world, for the kingdom of God. Now, we cannot afford to be quiet about God's eternal kingdom. We are called to be a voice in the midst of darkness, a prophetic voice in a world that is falling apart at its core, and this isn't a time for us to stop that, continue to be that voice. One of the things that frustrates me is when people say to me, well, look, I'm a witness. I just don't say anything. I just live my life. You show me a verse in scripture or a scenario where someone came to faith by living their life. If you're not living the life, then keep your mouth shut. But if you are living the life, how shall they hear without a preacher? You have to use your voice. Why are you here? That hasn't changed You're still sharing the gospel with people around you. You're still telling them about Jesus. You're still proclaiming the kingdom of God. What is Crosspoint about? It's about building the kingdom of God and calling men and women, boys and girls, to faith in Jesus Christ. And let that fill your mouth. I will not be silent. I'll continue to proclaim the good news Part of this has to do with responding to the remnant. Encourage and exhort one another while it is called today. And that's why community is so important that we build one another up, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I will not be silent. I will proclaim the goodness of God. I'll proclaim the word of God. I'll continue to reach people for the kingdom of God, and I'm gonna speak words that edify and build the body of Christ. And if you're not gonna speak on behalf of Zion, (laughs) then don't speak at all. There are, there's power in the words that we communicate. There are power, there's power in the things. And this dovetails right into what I've already said, but reaching the forsaken and the desolate requires that we're saying things that don't undermine our testimony. I promise you, I promise you that Waverly and surrounding communities are gonna be listening to what you're saying. They're gonna be listening to what you're saying. In fact, they're going to suggest some things that they want you to say. Isn't it amazing how people on the outside want to look for problems on the inside? Well, I wonder, keep your focus on the things that build Zion, leading people to Christ, telling them about Jesus, pouring into their lives. That that message should not, cannot ever, ever change. There's a responsibility to be the voice of God. The forsaken and the desolate need to hear about Jesus as much as they did yesterday. They need to hear about it tomorrow. We are the voice of evangelism in this world and that voice needs to continue to be heard. I saw someone post on Facebook. I I should probably, I'd lose half my sermon illustrations if I quit reading Facebook. Inviting people to church is not evangelism. Oh, really? Do you know where the primary place people make a commitment of their life to Jesus Christ is? Without exception. Incredible majority. It's not in a home. It's not in a restaurant. Those are all important places to witness. But the primary place people choose to follow Jesus is in response to an altar appeal in a worship service. Bring them to church. Let them experience God. Have enough confidence in the transition that you can continue to invite. You can continue to proclaim. You can continue to talk about what Jesus is doing. Well, I don't know what's gonna happen, so I'm not gonna talk to anybody. There may be somebody that needs to hear it tomorrow or the next day. You never know what people need to hear. Be that voice. Sometimes God has a way of getting a hold of people that you and I would not approve of. My um, daughter was working, is working, a coworker that she's been working with to invite to come to church. And this coworker is very woke. How many know what that means? Doesn't, that doesn't mean awake during church. Very sensitive to social issues. The first Sunday she comes. I am preaching from Ezekiel about the abominations of the nation of Israel. And one of those abominations has to do with sexual orientation and the things that they were engaged in, celebrating tammuz and other things that were, that were going on that I won't, I won't sidetrack into now. But let me just say, it was probably one of the most direct Hard-hitting messages I've preached in a long time. I felt like God laid it on my heart. Now, if you had told me that we had a first-time guest who's woke, I'm gonna preach for God's so loved everybody, the Barney message. We're just gonna preach Barney. But I didn't know that. And I said, Oh my. And and my daughter had set it up when she invited her this way. Said, you just need to know our church is not for everybody. <laughs> Do you know what happened? God touched her heart. She came back the next week, and she's coming back this week, and she's planning to roll in launch pad that we call our entry on ramp into ministry at our church. Don't tell me that you know what needs to be said. You proclaim the word of God. You keep telling the truth and there'll be somebody in those moments that the spirit of God will wrap his anointing around and he will communicate a message. Just understand the only way they're gonna hear about Jesus is by what comes out of your mouth. And I'm telling you, I've determined in the year that's ahead, I don't care how much the, crum- the, the culture crumbles. I don't care how much pressure there is for us to change our message. I don't care who says that we ought to do things differently than we're doing. I'm gonna continue to proclaim that men and women are lost apart from Jesus, that he is the only way to heaven. Hell is real, and heaven is real. That's why Jesus came, and I believe that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to preach against the darkness while I proclaim the light that shines and watch Jesus bring people in. don't turn from your calling in a time of transition. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. You don't know the Sunday that God might touch someone's heart and change everything about them. The Spirit of God, he said, was upon me. Continue to speak to each other and to this community and testify of the good things that God is doing. So I will greatly rejoice, I will not be silent and I will not be idle. So Isaiah 62, 1, know what it says. It says to us that for the sake of Zion, I will not keep silent. For the sake of the kingdom of God, I will not keep silent. I will continue to proclaim the things of the kingdom. I don't believe that changes in scripture are simply rhetorical. I believe they're purposeful. Because then he says, For Jerusalem's sake. What was Jerusalem? It was the city of God on the earth, the place where the nations were to gather, where the people were to gather. I will not remain quiet. Now, I want to challenge that word for a moment because that word quiet doesn't mean to be silent, it means to be still. And I believe a better translation of that Hebrew word is if you were to translate this way I will be quiet and do nothing. It really means to be idle. I'm just going to sit on my hands and wait and see. This church needs to keep working as hard as it worked to this day in the days that are ahead. Now, I'm not worried about that because one of the biggest struggles I had in the early days as things were being set up was simply keeping up with workers. There were plans, there were structures being put up, but listen to me carefully. This isn't the time to change your work. Here's what I know. Can I just talk to you for a minute? In times of a vacuum of leaders, there are people who will rise up and try to become leaders and lead in ways that the church has not been moving. They'll usurp leadership. I'm not saying that about anyone here. I hope that's not true. But I've seen it everywhere I've been, every place I've gone. When we've, trans, when we've moved from one place, transferred one, from one place to another, we came into a situation at Berean where in the interim, there was a group of guys that rose up and decided they were going to be in charge. There wasn't pastoral leadership. Um, There wasn't someone providing direction for them. They were intimidating people, making people afraid. The first month that I was there, we had a uniformed police officer in the lobby so that they would know we're changing direction in this church. And those three, the figureheads who were browbeating and intimidating people, just said to them, if you ever step on our property again, I will have you arrested. Now, I don't know if I could do that, but if you say it with enough confidence, they'll believe you. Why? Because in a vacuum of leadership, people rose up in self-leadership. And and you need to guard against that. It's great to have a church of strong leaders, but in a transition time, it's not a time to change what happens in leadership. Come on. And here's the other mistake you'll make. Some of you will think this way. And I know this to be true. I've experienced it. Pastor Jonathan and Erica are going to be here for a period of time, an undefined period of overlap. You need to still honor and respect him and listen to him as a leader because the person who helped lead you to this far, there isn't anyone in this church who cares more about the future of this church than this couple on the front row. And don't make the mistake of walking away from their leadership because it's a time of transition. Two churches we pastored, when we resigned, I was no longer listened to, no longer responded to, and they went a direction that I would would have tried to stop them from going, and we watched both churches crumble and fall apart by leadership that followed us, and I'm saying to you, there's no one that cares more about the future than the ones who have led to this point. How many are hearing me now? Do not be idle for Jerusalem's for Jerusalem sake. Stay busy, but stay busy in what you're doing. Don't change the model. Don't change the paradigm. Keep your shoulder to the wheel. Keep driving the oxen. Keep plowing the field. But don't think this is a time for you to make changes that you've been wanting to make the whole time they were here. I'm just preaching now. I may not even have time for a donut. I may need to just get in my truck and drive away. I'm just, listen to me, I have a little bit invested here too, and I'm telling you what I've seen and what I've wept over and when I've watched churches crumble is when in a vacuum of leadership, people think it's time to change the paradigm, and it is not. It's time to keep doing what you've been doing and keep working hard and then let God raise up the next person to come in and lead you in the way that he wants you to go. (laughs) Ah, this is fun. So, you see, the word idle doesn't really mean to do nothing. The Hebrew intent of the word is idleness is attached to busybodies that are busy doing the wrong things. Every church has them. Every church has them. Sometimes they're incognito and subtle, but you heard me say it this morning. Stay with what you're currently doing and work hard at it. Can I? Can I just give you one more mistake churches make in transition? Okay, that's two votes. (laughs) Some of you're afraid of what I'm going to say. I don't know if it's on my heart, so I'm going to say it. People believe opposites attract. That is not true, not totally true. Opposites attract until they don't. And then they divide. And the biggest mistake as a congregation you'll make is to think, we've had the Barthelow model, now we want someone exactly opposite of that. And what will happen is a year from now, this church will be 50% lower in attendance. How do you know that? Because I've watched it. What do you need to have? You need to respect the leadership that the Bartholos will provide, and you need to hear from God and not impose your self willed agenda on the process. I know I'm being kind of direct, but I want to see this continue to prosper. And I've been in too many churches where no one's had the guts to say something direct and then disaster happens because people start enforcing their preferences rather than listening to the voice of God. And I'm telling you the same, doesn't have to be the same person, doesn't have to do it the same way, doesn't have to have the same style, but there'll be a passion, a culture that's developed here and God has someone ready to step in and move in another direction. Well, I wanna be more Pentecostal. Well, I wanna be more seeker friendly. Well, I want the will of God. Trying to help you. I could say, don't come to second service. <laughs> so here's what I would say to you in a time of transition. What should you do? I will greatly rejoice. I will do the things that build for rejoicing. Second, I will not be silent. I will speak the word of the Lord and I will not be idle. I'll continue to work as hard as I have worked and see what God can do. There was tremendous growth in Crosspoint before it had a name. There was tremendous growth in in Crosspoint while we were looking for a pastor. Every time I met, there was another 25 people. That can still happen in this transition. If you stay on the task God has set before you. So I'd like everyone in the house to stand before Pastor Jonathan comes. I want everyone in the house to stand, worship team to come. And I want you to make a faith declaration that God will hold you accountable to. I want you to say it um, with strength And I want you to say it with authority as your commitment this morning moving forward. Number one is, I will rejoice greatly. Ready? One, two, three. I will greatly rejoice. Say it again. I will greatly rejoice. Number two, I will not be silent. Are you ready? Come on. You can do better than that. Louder. I will not be silent. And number three, I will not be idle. Ready? I will not be idle. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for your love for us, for what you've done in this place. And God, we're expecting greater things in the days that are ahead. And I just pray that you would knit the hearts of people together. (laughs) That self-willed rebels will not find a place of influence. But that a unified body will move forward in your grace and blessing. And you will do great things in jesus name and everyone in agreement said amen 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 let's express our appreciation pastor gary this morning
1: you know pastor gary i hope that uh that a year from now the new lead pastor will invite you back and, uh, and that you'll be able to say to the congregation, you have surely heeded the words that were prophesied and spoken this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wow, so grateful for him, the wisdom that he's spoken into my life. And even in this moment, speaking into our church. And I believe that if we'll put these words into practice, that God will be honored and he'll be glorified in all that, that Cross Point does moving forward. Pastor Gary talked about we just never know what a Sunday uh, can, what can happen on a Sunday. And maybe some of you have come in here today because somebody has invited you and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe at one time you walked with God but you've turned your back on him and today it's not by accident that you're in this room, but it's on purpose that God in his love for you would give you an opportunity to move from being a child of wrath to being a child of God. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. This morning, if you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see those hands. You can put it down. Three, are there others this morning? Thank you, God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask that you would do a couple of things. One is that you would look to the person on your left or your right and let them know of the decision that you've made today to follow Jesus. Secondly, in just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. But also, if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, that you would step out of your seat this morning and let somebody pray a prayer of blessing over you today and encourage you in that decision. Well, I'm gonna pray. Worship team's gonna lead us in another song. Prayer team's gonna make their way up to the front. Again, if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat. As soon as they begin singing. Lord, we thank you so much for for your love for us, for the word that has been spoken to our church this morning. God, we pray that each of us would take this word, that we would meditate on it, that we would put it into practice. And Lord, as we look to the future of Cross Point Church, we look through it, we, we we look at it with eyes of hope and with faith. Lord, we know that the best days are ahead. And so God, today help us to live out these words that have been spoken so that you would be glorified in Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.